In this episode of the RV Small Talk Podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about the places people gather with their RVs, the reasons they go, and maybe a few of the other rally style options that are out there that we haven't really seen or talked about before. Also, PJ, we kicked around the idea of the relationship between manufacturers and dealerships and how that goes together with the experience the end user has. So let's talk about that relationship, manufacturers, dealerships, and how it affects the buyer of an RV. What do you think? I'm ready. All right. Lindsay, you in? Yes. Welcome to the RV Small Talk Podcast, where we talk about lightweight trailers, truck campers, and the people, places, and adventures that go right along with them. We are your hosts from Princess Craft RV. I'm Clint. I am PJ. And I have rainbow hair. That That's so unicornish. I know. I feel like a unicorn. Is it's, that why you've been prancing around all morning? I prance no matter what my hair looks like. Yes. But you know this. But it's way more bright. It's way more magical. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that you that you hired, and it's a little bit weird to me, but you hired a little person to run around with a black light in front of you so that it really pops. is a, it's, it's strange and still somehow <laughs> apropos. Well, I just if you're going to go, go all the way. I just can't believe that hair can be that vibrant i mean it doesn't even look real i know i know it's 2023 so hair colors come a long way i guess (laughs) i guess how long did it take you to do that Lindsay? like four hours whoa you stayed in one place for four hours no 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 but i had a head full of foil for a while and had to like zhuzh around without like touching anything Hmm. so how many colors is in your hair five Five colors, mm-hmm. and it's just your bangs. For those of you who no, can't it's not see, just my bangs. Oh yeah, that's right. the The bottom has colors too. Yeah, yeah. Very yes. Muppetish. Yes. Very God. Muppetish. Uh, if I could be one thing in this world, it'd probably be a Muppet. It wouldn't be a millionaire. It wouldn't be famous. Now, would it be a specific Muppet, or would you be your uh, own kind of Muppet? No, I'd be a specific Muppet. Your history, you don't like people asserting control over you. And a puppeteer would definitely be doing that. I was going to say, wait, that's not a Muppet. So which Muppet? Do you, Muppet, ha- do you have one? Uh, yeah, what's her face? What's her face? From Ms. the Biggie? band. No. Yeah, from the band. From the Electric Mayhem band. I keep forgetting oh, her name. I don't know her name. Janice? Got Janice. Ooh. It'd be Janice. Yeah. <gasps> She's like crazy, man. She's <laughs> <Just> pretty cool. She's <laughs> right. definitely what we, 70s. What are we talking about today? We're Well, you know, we just came off of two rallies. Yes. So, and and I guess, and, I didn't, and, did I say that right? Yes, and, and I'm like, going to a big event at the end of this week. So maybe at the time this You're going to was, another rally. Right. So I'm going to Overland West. That's the Overland Expo West in Flagstaff, Arizona. And I'll be there in just a few days. How exciting for you. It's very exciting, but it's also like, man, this is because I'm, I'm going to go for one day because it's what we could pull off. And it's... I'm going to try, try to exhaust myself and get as much out of it as I can in one day. That well, best of luck to you. Yeah, and I'll come back with information. Maybe, maybe we'll we'll have fun with whatever I learn. Yeah. Well, you know, we just finished our two rallies, and I, I was I was struck. I think this came up when we were you? discussing what, what we were going to talk about. I was struck, not physically but metaphorically uh, by the idea of people telling me I love rallies because and yeah. then they would also say yeah you know I don't do rallies normally because oh uh, yeah and I've heard that you hear a lot uh-huh. of that so I don't know 
Well, why would people not do a rally? Well, a lot of people. It's it's this whole. I won't know anyone. You know, I got this to go camping, and the the image of camping is so is oftentimes a solo or family or friends sort of thing, not a convergence of a mass population. I think that that's that's one thing that I would have to overcome. Is wait a second, this is another thing I can do. You know, I, if I go into RVing or camping, it's a it's not a rally that I bought the RV for, not at all. That's right, not, I right? didn't buy it for that community piece, and I'm awkward and goofy you know me yeah so, and, and entertaining and fun to be around and all those things i don't know ask my kids yeah, um, yeah they feel the same way i, I think there's a you. lot of people who are just uncomfortable because they may not have an end to that crowd and you don't realize that yeah just arriving you're in you so just many times yeah well it's it is a little scary if you just don't know anybody right you know how many situations do adults find them in where they have to navigate three days where you don't know anybody i mean that happened in school but once you're an adult yeah, unless you maybe get a new job or move to a new house. Right. Those are the two two of the most stressful situations sure. for adults. Move to a new community. Yes. And because you, you have do? to kind of make friends and find your way, right? Right. Find your commonalities and all that. And the nice thing about rallies when they're surrounded by an RV or camping or trailers or overland rigs is you arrive and you at least have that known commodity as your foundation camping yeah RVing, and trailers. on the flip side nobody has to do anything else but show up right you know you show up at a rally there's already some framework that you can participate in yep. or not yep and it's already there so you don't have to worry about making friends but i mean you know there's still that you know who am i going to sit with at the lunch table kind of i get that thing. i do get that it's at the activities and events because if you're just looking for something to talk about open your eyes tw swivel your head a little bit everything every rv every trailer whatever is something to at least make small talk about but when you're talking about the activities because a lot of these rallies do have activities yeah and oh, i yeah. think that's probably the more anxiety inducing scenario for me yep it is now we should think about what we could do at the beginning of our rally to help that I don't know but that is one of the things that people say I, I just don't do groups I don't it just makes me too anxious but should that be part of the welcome bag here's your welcome bag your name tag maybe some some little doodads whatever here Nancy mushrooms go ahead everyone mushroom, mushrooms. <laughs> everyone's relaxed Lindsay, Lindsay? <laughs> Miss Rainbow Hair, let's pass out mushrooms, right? What a great solution! That sounds awful. What it, it makes does everyone sound a fun awful. guy. Uh, so, you are what you eat. Uh, can we move on? Can we? Good Clint? luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> can we? I, you know, some grown-ups just don't like being told what to do. It's true. I mean, they just don't want to be told, be here, be there. And, you know, if you're anxious about any of that, mushrooms aren't going to help. Well, because I have no you experience. have to, me neither, but they're not going to help because people have to sign up to go there. Right. And that is sometimes... You can't get them. You can't get them over that. There's these these invisible you, you lines we do to ourselves. That. These barriers. Yeah. Lindsay, jump into this conversation. You guys are literally talking I, I over know. each other. It's There's true. nowhere to jump. Uh, you know what? 
PJ, I need to apologize now for what's about to come. Just kidding. Go ahead. No, no, no. I think you need to apologize for the past. (laughs) (laughs) There ain't time for that. Okay. Well, whatever. Look, we have... We have silenced Lindsay. <laughs> That's fine. Y'all That's keep going. You're doing crazy. great. All right. Rallies that are out there right now, what's our what's our take on them? What are some things that we found? Things that we've heard. You've mentioned a few. Oh, there's how do we confront those? I I think I think rallies are just a great place to uh hang out with campers. And whether you just hang out in the evening or never at all. I mean, it's kind of nice to just show up and not have any participation, any responsibility. And maybe nobody has to know your name if you find out maybe they aren't your people. But I think there's uh, rallies are kind of a weird word to me. Uh, I they, agree. They kind of remind me of summer camp. OK, I agree. And I was thinking like pep rallies. Play cool. the games uh-huh. and you have to participate. But, you know, people call them campouts. They call them get togethers. There's meetups that were started by right. social media. Uh-huh. That was their name. Uh, sometimes there's just events. Mm-hmm. So like you're going to the um, Overland Expo. Right, right. If they called that a rally, it would turn off turn off all the Overland people because right. they don't do rallies. And yeah, it, but they will camp together all day long. There's so many things that are rally-like in it, and you can camp It's a this. rally. And there it's are, a get-together. There are vendors, and there are classes. Classes galore at this thing. And, but there are classes at campouts. There exactly. are classes at meetups. There are classes all kinds of places. Right. So maybe that's one of the things, if you're looking for a, a get-together opportunity, that you look for classes, if you think that might be interesting. Sure. I sure. mean, everybody can learn something. Everybody could yeah, try something new mm-hmm. or just sit and watch other people try things. Yeah. I mean, that's an option, right? People watching is good. Yeah. Do you know how many people come to our rally and say and like come to one, maybe two of the activities and then go on and on about how it was so much fun and they right. loved it so much and they can't wait to come back. And it always weirds me out because it's like you didn't. You didn't do, do anything. most of the things, but to them, that was perfect, right? Exactly. They got to do the one activity that they wanted to do. And then the rest of the time they got to camp and sit and say hi to people walking by. It was like just that's the it. Yeah. right amount of interaction. And yeah, it's, oh, yeah. It so much fun. I can't wait to come back. And it's like, heck yes. There's no you, camp counselor. You rally how you want to <laughs> rally, sir. <laughs> You know, we, you added something. I say we, I didn't do it. You did it. You added the campfire at the very beginning. Yeah. uh, Of our rally. So the very first night, there was nothing on the schedule except for going down to the river where there was this campfire and everybody brought a chair. It was probably a, what, almost a half mile hike. It was, it was a long walk down to the river, but you're out in the middle of nowhere at this campsite. It was, I I will tell you, I was blown away at the conversations. Well, because, yeah, it's your first chance to be like, I'm going to be with these people for the next four days. And then you just kind of strike up conversations. So then the next activity, which might be two step lessons or painting or whatever, won't be as awkward because, you know, somebody there's Carl with the Airstream and there's Stacy with the Winnebago and, you know, all your people and yep. It's yep. fun. And it's a way for the 
newbies, quote unquote, to hang out with the people who have been there before, because a lot of times in rallies, that's where the divide happens. You know, the people who have been to the rally, you know, oh, this is my seventh year coming Uh to this rally, Uh, me and this person and this person. And then they all sit together and talk to each other. And then the newbies, it is hard for them to feel right like they're included. But that that big campfire at the beginning, I really liked that. I want to continue doing that because I think it felt like I think it was a good talk. Damn you talk. I think it was a great starting point. (laughs) You know, there's no pressure. It's just a fire rank. Yeah. And you can sit as close or as far away from it as you want. Yeah. Some people would set up their chairs like off way over there and like you can't feel the heat from this fire, but that's where they wanted to sit. And then they eventually start talking to people. And then somebody else pulled up a chair and sat right next to him. Yeah. It was it was crazy. And we had dogs everywhere and people chatting. I I don't know. And one of the one of the comments I got at the end of the rally was everybody was so friendly. Well, I can't remember ever getting together in a camping situation where people weren't friendly. It's just giving them an opportunity to talk to each other. Right. See how friendly they are. A reason to talk to your friends. So I. I'm sorry. I, That's all right. Go ahead. Finish your thought. Well, I I don't know. That that was what impressed me the most. You know, even more than people saying, I learned so much at the classes or I feel so much more confident or people helped me with my problems because I had this weird thing and this guy came over and looked at it and that was so nice. Or, I, I mean, just anything that like that. It was it becomes a friendly atmosphere, mm-hmm. but so many people are hesitant to show up in a group setting. Can I, I print off a few rallies and events that are coming up in 2023 and maybe a few 2024. I'm going to run a few of them past you. I'm not going to read off the exhaustive lists that are printed. And oh, maybe come on. It's a long a, podcast. Well, well <laughs> check for instance, this first one, Tin Can Tourists. Well, Tin Can Tourists is I've a group. That's not actually. Yeah, but they're having a rally. Well, so the members are of the group. Okay, yes. Do you know what Tin Can Tourist is? That is the very first. Yeah, that was the first rally. camping group in like 1923. Yeah, but they're still going, and oh, you can attend said event. That would be kind of cool. Everybody there would be super eccentric. Yeah, yeah. That might be kind of cool, but so many people are going to be eccentric at your Overland Expo rally too. Well, they better be, otherwise, what's the point? Right. So, uh, obviously, the Family Motor Coaster Association, they have their biggest rally each year. Um, at the Escapees Club, known as Escapades. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. It says so right there. <laughs> but, you know, manufacturers have rallies, too. Yep. Like yep. Airstream, Winnebago. Uh-huh. You know, lots of people are famous for the, the rallies frog based on rallies. The Yeah. Grand Design. Frog Rally is Forest River. So that's another way to kind of have something in common. Airstream calls their rally Alumapalooza. <laughs> Aluma I love it. Actually, that's genius. I love it. Oh, Wait. here's 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 one, and it's more around a theme. RVing Women National Convention. RVing Women National Convention. So yeah, there's always uh, RV women's groups yeah. that are going to rallies or campouts or anything like that. 
I mean, there's all kinds of reasons. Some people have campouts or they probably don't call them rallies, but around activities. And I think Overland Expo is one of those people who like to boondock, who like to do you know, more extreme outdoor activities and rock crawling. And, you know, they have climbers, they have backpackers, all kinds of people like that. That's probably how the Overland Expo started. And then you get to see all kinds of vendors at these rallies. You get to meet manufacturers if it's a manufacturer supported rally. Right. Uh, Because I know at Overland Expo, you'll have all of those things. There's people I want products that I haven't been able to see in person. They will be there. Yes. There are classes that I would be stoked to to just get my ears on. Uh, it's so cool. Here's one: Adventure Van Expo. Obviously, van life became such a big thing over the past few years. I don't know if it's waned a little bit in popularity, mm-hmm. but vans. I feel like a camper van rally would be really fun. I think I vans do are too. cool. They are cool. I so. do too. And like this picture, I mean, it's just a bunch of vans parked in a field. Like, that looks awesome. Yeah, Yeah. that just looks really fun. And, you know, sometimes, like, New Camp has their rallies. They've ramped up the number around the country. And sometimes people go to those strictly by where they're located. Because it gives you a reason to visit a different area to go to or like to go to the A-Liner National Rally just because it's a it's a cool location and you can camp on the way up there. You have a reason to be there and then you you kind of look around. How many times do you need just that last little that last straw, if you will, to to convince you to go somewhere that is somehow been on your bucket list, but you haven't found that last straw and a rally could be that. That's it. That nabbit. I'm going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the. I mean, the other thing that I can think of. So you have like manufacturer rallies, places, but the types of campers, camper you are. So we talked about like um, rallies for off grid people, rallies for newbies where they might like teach you how to do stuff. Yeah, um, rallies for women, rallies yep. for women, r- like family. That Absolutely. have a bunch of like family, family oriented ones. I saw one for Camping schoolies. With kids. Schoolies? Oh, yeah. yeah. Schoolie rally. Yeah, people take these old buses and turn them into home built RVs and head Call off. Them schoolies. And they call them schoolies. Mm-hmm. I think it's awesome. Just whatever is part of your camping adventure if you just look online you can find people getting together and to me that's part of the RVing experience absolutely absolutely so i hope everybody will find so just google online whatever it is you think might be fun and that just might fill up your calendar right. for camping and while you're at it sign up for the texas tiny trailer rally Ooh, when is that do i have to be a tiny trailer rally no how much does it cost free and how fun is it? Uh, it's moderately fun. And okay. where is it? <laughs> <laughs> it is in Bandera, it's the cowboy fun. capital of the world. Um, totally w- free. No, anybody can come. You don't have to have a tiny camper. You don't have to buy it from Princess Craft. Um, October 10th. 11th. 11th. Hey, yeah. Shoot. In the fall. When is it? Yeah. Look it up. It's on Princess Craft RV's <laughs> website. Now, can I clarify? You said totally free you are absolutely right the rally is totally free but it's at a campground pay the campground for the space don't pay the rally 
for the reservation for all the events and, and yeah. the classes. And not all that. rallies all are free, though. No, most, most, maybe most. I don't know. So many we're kind of not. a we're kind of a mix. I mean, there aren't that many dealer sponsored sponsored rallies. Right. So ours, we get a little help from the manufacturers sometimes with product support with some of the vendors. We get all of that and. We have such a fun time, lots of class, classes, lots of activities that you can join or not join. Campfires at night, we have barbecue, we have band. Mm-hmm. So we try to kind of hit on all the different areas so that people can do what they want. Sure. Yeah. We just want to provide the get together. So uh, y'all look that up or look up whatever suits you. And start and then report planning. Back to us. Start planning for this summer. Report back to us. Yeah. We need. We need to know the fun ones. Yeah. So we can go. <laughs> uh, we love to camp too. So so don't be an RVing or camping hermit all the time. I do suggest being an RVing or camping hermit. Also, a very important part of your camping journey. Yes. Be a hermit. <laughs> well. One of the crazy ones. It's been a fun part of our year for sure. And the next one is we do have a tiny trailer rally in October during one of the eclipses, partial eclipses. Yeah. It's like in our area, it's going to be like 90%. (sighs) Wow. So that's. And it is out in the boonies in Bandera. Yeah. Good sky. So, yeah. All right. Pray for no clouds. All right. But rain somehow. <laughs> okay, how about we move on to because these are these are some hard hitting questions, PJ. Yeah, watch out. Oh, PJ. now we have to talk seriously. No, no. Oh, no. no. Good. No. Off the hook. Okay. Off the hook. But so, so, do we just throw these questions at her? No. So, so we have we, to use voices to about? ask her. We're talking about manufacturer dealership relationships. So. I mean, I think that maybe the average consumer maybe doesn't know how that relationship works and how and it affects how them, it affects them yeah. when they're buying a unit. Um, so there's like the manufacturers like up here and then they have to go through the dealership down here and then it goes to the person. So like, what is that relationship like? And can I, can I, sorry, I'm like tracking. It's like half a second off and it looks so cool. All right. So if I'm having way too much fun, Lindsay, (laughs) if I may jump in very first, even a question that's not on here is why, why are there not more just manufacturer owned places to just buy that product? I take for in other industries, you find Tesla or Apple, they have their own stores. Now, Apple is a little different because you can buy Apple products at Best Buy or what have you, Mm -hmm. but but you kind of get the idea. Why are there not manufacturer owned outlets for products in many states? Well, I personally think there's a couple of reasons, but in Texas is very specific. It's flat out illegal. What about like Casita? Well, Casita was formed and grandfathered in before that law went into place. Oh. So there. Do they have their own dealership or one location? They just have one location. Okay. Factory Direct. Does Factory Direct work pretty much across the board? Nope. No. Nope. Oh, wow. You can't be Factory Direct in Texas. In Texas. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Casita is the exception. They are grandfathered in, as I said. But um, yeah, that is not. 
technically allowed. Now, there's all kinds of funky ways around it. But uh, as always, people will look for loopholes. But yeah, that is not allowed in Texas. Now, it is in a lot of other states. So let's say I know Colorado has some factory direct and maybe Utah. There's a few others out there. Sure. Let's say Colorado is. Sure. If they're factory direct in Colorado, as long as you go pick it up or it's delivered to you, but the purchase is actually paperwork done in Colorado jurisdiction. I, I don't understand can, your question. So obviously you're, you can be a Texan, a Texas resident and still buy a factory d- direct unit from, from a company in Colorado. Sure. Sure. They just can't exist in Texas. Okay. A manufacturer in Texas cannot sell direct. All right. So you can just bootleg it in. Yeah. So bootleg sure it in. Pick a manufacturer that's not in Texas, I guess. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Not sure. So, uh, yeah. So that, I think a lot of people confuse car dealerships with RV dealerships. They're very different. And they are, while they're closer together than they used to be, they are still completely different models. Okay. So... Right now, well, uh, it's it's odd to see a Ford dealership that's a uh, that has four different brands under the same roof. Well, you used to be they able have to see different locations. You used to be able to see Ford, Lincoln, Ford, Mercury, but which, they were all the same parent. But they were all owned by the same company. All owned by Ford, and really, most of their models shared the same chassis and all those. <laughs> they, the, they were the same cars. Really? Really? <laughs> Maybe the had the, the, the lower, middle, and upper tier of luxury yeah. appointments yeah. and accessories, but it really was the same yeah. as Bones. I think so. Um, but, you know, if you think back 30 or 40 years, there was a ton of car manufacturers, right? Because somebody would say, I want to build uh, a Pontiac, an Etzel. I want to be, I want to build something. I want to build a, yeah, I want to build a, uh, what was a DeLorean? I mean, Uh people would start up and build cars. A Tucker. Uh, Yeah. Poor Tucker. I know. What a sad story. Good movie. Oh, it's true. You made a good sad movie. (laughs) Well, so. I get I get sidetracked when I talk to you. You just take all <laughs> kinds of tangents. I can't stay on track. Sorry. But but at any rate, you know, when you got boiled it down to several car manufacturers, um, then the dealerships became associated with one or another. Uh, in the RV industry, I don't just sell Forest River Wildwoods. Right. Um, now, there used to be a ton of manufacturers now forest river and thor are two of the largest and they have bought up all of these smaller manufacturers so they're under say a forest river umbrella Mm -hmm. right but they started out as individual plants and they still are run kind of that way so what you can't do is put uh say a wildwood at my dealership and a wildwood at the dealership across the street Right. Right. Because that's not cool. You get franchise licenses in most states and it has some sort of area, generally a county. So uh, that's that's still that way. But there are so many different ones built. Right. That a manufacturer has to carry a lot of different brands. Right. And so you, you mentioned, you know, 
that there's two big entities that own mm-hmm. the vast majority of manufacturing fa- factories and brands. Mm-hmm. Thorn Forest River, but we on our on our lot, unlike a Ford Lincoln Mercury dealership, that's pretty much all Ford or one of the GM t- style places. Um, we can carry things under the Forest River umbrella or the Thor umbrella, right? And because it's done by brand, not by manufacturer, not okay. by the parent manufacturer. And say a Force River can can make a product that we can carry and they can make a lookalike product yeah. under a different sticker. They can put and, different decals on it and call it a different name. And, and that can be across the street. That can be across the street. And, you know, that happens. That happens. Um However, when we're talking about manufacturer dealer relationships, uh-huh. you know, you do have a relationship with the specific brand people that you work with. Ow. Yeah, that was violent. Lindsay, Lindsay just hit her knee on the table. <laughs> Whoa, shake it up. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> I'll keep going. So at any rate, you know, we couldn't survive if we just carried one brand. No. No. So, yeah. Ballpark, how many brand, how many brands do you think we carry at our Round Rock location? Oh, gosh. Ballpark. Mm. 25? 24. 24? 24. Did I guess close? Are you guessing? Yes. 24 <laughs> different brands. Unlike the a unlike a, unlike a Ford a Lincoln Mercury dealership, which has Ford Lincoln Mercury, they're all pretty much at their bones, the same thing with the same engines and chassis and specs and all that. Mm-hmm. We carry over 20 brands and each one of those brands we could have different lines and models Models, it's confusing and different reps and and we have different relationships with each of them and that is where i think people don't realize uh the manufacturers are not the same as a Ford dealership because a Ford dealership buys into that franchise. Ford provides them with everything from software to run their dealership with. Banking even. Uh, Banking. uh, All the financing for the customers can go through Ford. They have programs. They have back-end money. If you sell enough of these or buy enough of those to put on your lot, we give you X amount of money at the end of the day. Sure. You know, they have all these training, special things, marketing materials. Yeah. Everything is just handed to the dealership. Well, and also national brands run national marketing campaigns campaigns in the automotive industry, but not so much in the RV industry, unless maybe it's an Airstream or something right. like that, but that's that's one very niche. That that is a huge difference, right? I mean, there is no corporate advertising for the brands. They I, throw uh, up a website, and it might be correct, but it probably isn't. <laughs> I never thought about that before. Yeah, you do see commercials for like Fords and Chevys, but you never mm-hmm. see a commercial for an RV unless it's from the dealership. That's right. I literally, never thought about that before. That is why uh, when mm-hmm. when. I look at different um, manufacturers, I look at their website, I see how well it's optimized, how well it's going to connect with the buyer, and what they're going to put out there for us to work with. Because sometimes it's nothing, sometimes it's outdated, and sometimes it's spectacular, and it gives us a platform to advertise and educate the customer. So uh, we see all different ranges of that. And that's huge. And how well products are circulated in the market and what kind of interest we get in them. That's huge for us. 
probably the next thing that uh, is important in that relationship is going to be who I'm talking to. I mean, honestly, almost every manufacturer is going to have a rep who is assigned to us. Right. Uh, and they are either well-connected or they do what we ask them. And we have both kinds. And sometimes that if it's a smaller company, you know, there's one person that handles all their distribution and he also handles the production line and he or she also handles the sales right. customers and they just get overloaded and you you can just barely hang on with right. getting what you need. That seems from to be them. a phase for 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 companies that are transitioning and all that. Well, I remember in tech, yes. we, we had someone playing point like that who really filled in all the roles that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and now now they've grown, they've expanded their personnel and all that. However, yeah. we've seen that several times. Uh, lots of times, yeah, because you can start with nothing. You can start building something in your garage. I mean, we can name just tons of manufacturers that started with a minuscule footprint, maybe building 25 to 50 units a year. Taxa comes to mind. Yeah. I mean, they started with nothing uh, and have built a wonderful business with that. And they have had the growing pains of how do we manage the dealerships? Uh, and so that is what we have to work with. Everybody's different. And that affects the customer because when they say, what is the new height with this new air conditioner? Uh -huh. We may not know. They may not know. The website might not be right. If we have a good connection, we can call up Joe and say, hey, Joe, run out there and measure what this height is going to be because we haven't received that product yet uh -huh. and we need to know. And other times, customers will send an email to us or to the manufacturer and they're like, they won't even answer my question. So I don't know if it's going to work for me. Uh, so it can either be a wonderful resource or a big frustration. And sometimes if the manufacturer is not that responsive, we look pretty dumb as a dealership. It, yeah, we're you're the middleman so much of the time because we we don't know either. We can't help you. So and customers it's tricky. rightfully don't appreciate that. They don't appreciate <laughs> that. That is for sure. Um, so this is this is a, a, a little off from what your last talking point was. Okay, that's all right. I've, I'm used to it, Clint. I, there you you go. are a master at that. I uh, I've heard. Several industries where, you know, customers or, you know, people say, how do you design for the customer, what the customer needs are and what they what they want? And the manufacturer of whatever that product is says, no, we design what we design and we tell the customer what they want. And in some industries, that seems to work pretty well. I do have a question about how if RV dealerships have any upstream effect on what is designed and engineered with manufacturers that's a good question because i feel like we get that comment on youtube like a lot like what is like uh tell the dealership that or tell the manufacturer te yeah tell the manufacturer that we don't want this or we only want this option or when are they going to build this or when are you guys going to build this like right. they think that we're making them or have some sort of input which i don't know i mean i guess i know your input with manufacturers, but I don't know how much of that is normal and, and how much of that is just PGA. Do manufacturers care? Is there any yeah. cloud? What's going on do here? Do they care? Well, I promise you, uh, 
you know, some of the larger brands don't put much stock in what dealers say. They're looking at what the majority of people are buying and then they are adjusting to that. Okay. You know, why that makes sense? Yeah, why have an option for a second air conditioner when 90% of what you build and sell has a single air conditioner? You know, I don't know. Is it worth that last 10% to wire and redesign? And that's probably an extreme. Right. Uh, because what they do is they don't, they wire it, they just don't include it, and it's an option. So there is this idea of do you make things options? Or do you simply take them off because no one's buying it? And in the smaller manufacturers tend to normalize their trailer to mainstream. Once they figure out what that is, the larger manufacturers tend to have options. Because they can Because they don't want to miss options. that 10%. Well, and they have the space for the product yes. and they have the workers to uh-huh. install them and things like that. And and if you're if you're building, you know, 800 units and 80 of them want this specific part, then you can buy at a reasonable amount, 80 of them, uh, and see, you don't want to lose question. 10%. Yeah. But if you're only building 100 of these, do you want to buy 10 of them because sometimes those manufacturers then have to go down to uh Best Buy and right. buy it a retail. They don't yeah. make much money on it. It's a big hassle. It slows down their line that's already struggling and it's not worth it. Yeah. So, so there is a Costco effect of bulk buying for manufacturers. Absolutely. Hence the reason it's so hard for the smaller companies to really establish a foothold. Those are really the fight for it years. Yes. Yes. The growing pains are are huge in this business because you're looking at a manufacturing line. So building things in a small space when you're only building a handful, they can be much more handcrafted, but not as uniform. So they're slower to build. Right. So the the timeline you kind of put out, you know, you have someone who's building something small, they're just growing their business Mm -hmm. and they make something pretty unique. And then they Mm -hmm. get they get in a little bit of notoriety, a little bit of money capital maybe and then they start to homogenize to the general buyer yes and then when you get large enough you can start offering options and those options start to set your product apart again so you started off small with a <laughs> very interesting set apart product and then in your middling years a very general product if you want to keep making it uh-huh and finally when you've arrived you can find the things that are distinctive about your brand again. That's right. I think that's probably fairly accurate. I bet the big guys don't see it that way. But those first years where you're trying to get jumpstart a product uh-huh. and you're trying to figure out what's going to uh, appeal to a certain customer or what's buying, and, yeah. those are the people that ask us in, specifically what about this? What about that? Right. And those are the people that'll listen when we go to shows and we look at their stuff and go, really? But this customer is going to want uh, some storage. Uh, but this customer is not going to be happy with a five-gallon black tank. So are we a little bit guilty of yeah. being the ones who change the the innovative uh, well, initial products? you Hopefully. know, <laughs> I, I can imagine that the way they look at it is that we just complain a lot. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the smaller ones are able to listen and make make some shifts that are uh, a, a little easier only because we see the customer. We hear from the customer. Yeah. 
we're the ones out there on the front line that they're going, yeah, no, I'm going to buy that other one because, yeah, I, I'm, I, I am not dealing with a five-gallon black tank. Right. Or that window is just way too small. Or just simple things like this one feels so much bigger. Mm-hmm. And so then we go back to the original guy and say, yeah, it's not selling because uh, the upholstery is chocolate brown and the walls are a beige color and it feels too dark. Mm-hmm. People aren't liking this look or the windows need to be bigger or, uh, you know, people don't want uh, a, a smaller queen bed in this $80,000 unit. Right. So, you know, we can have that kind of feedback. And so sometimes we make a difference. Sometimes we don't. You know, just like the customers who say, oh, if they would just put that with that with that. Well, there's a reason they don't do that. Sure. Because those things don't mesh together. You can't do that. Yeah. And I think we're guilty of that with the manufacturers as well. You know, they say we could do that, but then it would cost $10,000 more and we're afraid to jump the price. Sure. Or for whatever reason. So what about the relationship between manufacturers and dealerships when it comes to warranty and service work? Oh, huge. Well, why? I mean, what what are what are some examples of good relationships that we have? Like what like what does the manufacturer do to make them good relationships, I guess, is what I'm asking. You know, we have manufacturers, I think, of all sizes and if they are reasonable and responsive. That is all that needs to happen. So the same as what we need in human relationships. I was about to say, so like if every you are just relationship ever. And responsive. <laughs> I always felt like businesses, organizations, whatever, they have human personalities right. and human needs, just maybe on larger scale. And maybe some of them have multiple personalities, but still. Um, <laughs> And I think that that would... Clint, do you fall in that category? Don't tell her. <laughs> okay. Okay. Which Clint am I talking to now? <laughs> the good one? Don't fall for it. <laughs> no. Um, so I, I feel like the, what you just described is is huge. And I don't know that companies and, and the leadership of companies always take that into account. But yes, we know we can, go, in our minds, rattle off who's responsive um, and who's who not, but we're not well. going to do that here. No, we're not going to do that here. Because, we try to keep friends. But not only that, because we've seen seasons. Yes. Just like humans have good uh, seasons yeah. and bad seasons. Sometimes it is just a, a personnel change, a structure that needs to be adjusted, or right. a growth spurt. Or bad or, phone systems. Uh, yeah, like we've had. So are, badly. are you talking about I'm, us? Yeah, I'm, we have struggled with phones lately. I'm having ticks yeah. from that. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> As a consumer, as somebody who might be listening to this podcast or looking at buying one or bought one and now you got to take it in for service, I mean, that is something that really affects how the service is going to go, how quickly it's going to go, is like that dealership's relationship with the manufacturer. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but... You know, yeah, and and customers don't realize that we're in the middle, right? I guess we, that's we what I'm trying to, to say is we like, don't get to say, yeah, we're going to cover that under warranty. Yeah, we can simply pay to fix it, right? And then wait. Well, <laughs> and and you know, if the manufacturer decides not to pay for it, then we paid to fix it. We 
lost money on the deal. And the idea that dealerships are inordinately crazy wealthy mm. is kind of kind of not always true. I mean, right. there are better times and worse times, but um, we have to be profitable uh, to stay in business. What? A business I has know. to make money? Clint, so, did you know this? Hold on, I need a moment with this. I know, I know. it's shocking. <laughs> Take a breath. Shocking. <laughs> Take a breath. Well, you know, I don't mind not being profitable if you guys don't mind skipping paychecks. Ah. Uh, because that's kind of how this works. Okay, yeah. You don't mind, do you? I uh, do. I'm out. I mean, <gasps> I'll go find a different paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is, is not going to help our customers. Come on, Kayla, we out of here. That is so, you know, at any rate, uh, you know, manufacturers, I think they are all well-meaning. But especially when you get to be a large manufacturer, you have to have parameters. And not all repairs fall exactly within, you know, Put that put that line on it. After this day, nothing happens. Yeah. Well, we had one recently where the customer was sitting here on the lot for three or four, five months Ooh. because we couldn't get the parts from the manufacturer. Right. And when we did get them, they were broken. Oh. So huge problem getting it fixed. And at the end of that, they were in warranty when they got here and out of warranty when it was completed. And they came to pick it up. We saw another problem. Is that under warranty or not? Gray area. There's mm -hmm. a good time to to find that you have a good relationship. Hope with your that you have a good relationship. Right. Yes. Now the customer still expects us to handle it, of course. Right. So we have to decide what to do with that. That is where the manufacturer's responsiveness and their website and their uh, resource for hey, the for personnel. the customers Rep. is good. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. That's important. But even more important is the dealership because they're the ones who are going to have to try to work with that manufacturer. So I don't know. It's something to ask if you're looking at buying a unit. Mm -hmm. What but, do you ask? What is your yeah, relationship but, like with the manufacturer? Yeah, that's really hard. Which one is easier for you guys to work with if we have a problem? That is an interesting question. That's you a don't fair hear question. Often. Do you yeah. think people would answer that? Yes. Hmm. Um, we know. I could spout off the top of my well, head which ones are better. I, I know Angela and Ty would answer that, but I don't know about <laughs> other dealerships. <laughs> I think our sales guys here, just on the other side of this wall, they they definitely talk to speak of the brands that they feel good about, mm -hmm. not just the, not just the product, but the relationships. Well, yeah. I have nothing to do with service or warranty work, and I can tell you that I already know who's responsive and who's not. Which I think, I mean, that's what you said is one of the most mm -hmm. important things. Just say something. It's the waiting game that's hard and that's hard for the customer because then it feels like we're not doing anything or you're stuck in limbo when it's it's just, it's hard when there's no communication. Mm -hmm. So yes. I think responsiveness is definitely the most important. Do you hear that manufacturers? They're not listening to this. Well, and I, I don't think I also think no manufacturer starts out by saying, yeah, we're not really going to be responsive to dealers. Right. Exactly. We're really not going to pay attention. <laughs> you know, nobody starts out wanting to be that guy. So it just happens because it is a lot to manage. Customer expectations right. are a lot. So this kind of hits on something you touched on a little bit earlier and, and what and we talked around a little bit um, because 
organizations and personnel change over the course of time. But whenever mm-hmm. you're you're first approached by a manufacturer, a brand under a manufacturer, if you will, mm-hmm. knowing full well that they're trying to sell you the opportunity, if you will, quote mm-hmm. unquote opportunity to sell their products. What what is your process for vetting you, them for figuring out all right, if we go ahead and start selling your product, who am I initially working with? Yeah, it's like, it's like, uh, okay, if we're talking about the relationships between manufacturers and dealers, this is like your first date, right? Right. Like a blind right. date. Is it a blind date? But I do know that this happens a lot. Manufacturers all the time say, can we set up a call to talk about our, my product if you want to carry it? So then it's like a blind date. What's that like? Yeah, it's, it's really weird. It's really weird. And as all blind dates should be. Because I know you have some questions that you ask every time. Yeah. Like what? Uh, Do you sell direct? Yeah. That's always a question. Which the smaller ones oftentimes come from that model. How many other dealerships are you going to have in Texas? Yep. What makes your product different? Yep. I feel like sometimes you throw in there, I'm looking at your website and your model right now. And Why those you, graphics need to go. Exactly. I, I feel like you, I feel like there's a few things you throw them a few, uh, a few, um, I don't know, hardball, curveball, whatever. You throw them a few things just to see just to how see. they respond, how they deal with it sometimes. I tend, when I'm talking to a brand new manufacturer, which, you know, crazy as it sounds, it happens more often than you it's, would think. It happens a lot. Right. It happens a lot here. Um, because like I said, anybody could start in their garage and try to build a trailer. No, I thought it it was because everybody wants to be a part of Princess Craft. Oh, well, you just keep thinking that, sweetheart. Cool. (laughs) I love that. Uh, But they do call and I I think I probably am in a bit more combative than normal. Okay. You got to like break through the the brick wall to get to the... Sunshine. Yeah, and I, I guess I don't know exactly why that is, except... Um, you know, it's like, I feel like they're going, hi, I have this shiny new toy and it's awesome and you should carry it because people are going to love this. And I'm like, so you want me to give you, I mean, sometimes what? A, a really small buy would be a hundred thousand dollars, right? Because we're talking multiple. And that's all units. I get. Yeah. Or maybe two or three hundred thousand, and then be responsible to everybody who buys from me because I feel like we're on the hook. If they right. buy from us, we're on the it's hook. It's our long term relationship. And and that's all you got for me. Yeah. And, but it's shiny. Know? But it's shiny. It's, it's pretty. <laughs> but we're really nice. And this is this is really a great product. Did you see how cool this looks? Right. Well, I think you have picked up so many lines and done this so many times that you know what to look. You know the shiny, happy toy thing. And so then you know what to ask to figure out mm. do you actually know what you're talking about or is it just a shiny new toy yeah and who are you did they send you to call me am i talking to the real guy how'd you find who us? am i talking to right why are you thinking we'd be a great fit and some people say things like well you know you're in a great central texas location <coughs> and that tells me you've been turned down by all the big guys they're uh-huh. not touching this so, you know, it's it's just it's it's interesting. You you kind of do it is like a blind date, Lindsay. 
you kind of do have to say, yeah, you I know. won't tell dad. Are you? Yeah. Considering yep. how many brands we carry. <laughs> I think it's too DJ. late. It's <laughs> like an RV. <laughs> Never mind. It's kind oh. of like, yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, K- maybe Caitlin, you need a snicker over there. I, I am really, <laughs> really good at speed dating. Let's just say that <laughs> next, uh, next. But I, it is cool. It's flattering, but you have to be careful because it really is us uh, figuring out what we can offer our customers that we can buy into and believe in. And that's that's a big responsibility, even more than the hundreds of thousands of dollars they're asking us to risk. Yeah. Yeah. So smaller manufacturers, they're always coming on the scene. Um, what what makes that transition difficult? And do you have any advice? Because if they're going to try to transition from their startup phase, building in the garage, selling direct and, and selling in their community to a wider national market and all that. What kind of ideas, coaching, I don't know, cheerleading might you have? Well, I think that could be a whole afternoon conversation, um, but I, I doubt any small manufacturers are actually listening, so it's not going to make mm-hmm. a bit of difference. But if I was telling people how to get from uh, direct selling a handful of trailers to becoming a, a distributor to dealers, yeah. I would say pick two or three right, and start there. Don't go any bigger than that. You just can't manage it. You usually, I, and you have to have a plan for managing the broken ones. Right. Because they can do it one on one and it's just yeah. a handful. But you have to have that network and you have to build that infrastructure. And that takes time and learning. And uh, nobody can do it right away. I mean, you just can't. And so. Yeah, just working with a handful of dealers to get your feet wet right. is is the way to do it. Too big, I too think. fast is a, way, a good way to flame out. Well, you can't produce them. Then everybody's waiting. Then customers are unhappy because your they're having to drive across bad. the country uh-huh. and then something's wrong. Then they've got Joe's RV that can't fix it. And then you can't get them the parts because you don't have a backlog. And I, it just and then there's warranty and the manufacturer ends up paying a fortune to keep these repaired during warranty because they really weren't prepared for that. Okay. So I, it, that is the snowball that, you know, that's the hill to climb uh, for a manufacturer. It's like anything else. The distribution chain is expensive. So you've got to bridge that gap. You know, the number one reason that I think manufacturers tighten up on their warranties, they start turning down things that they should approve, their cash flow gets tight, they don't have enough money, they see how much is going out on warranty, and they panic, and they cut back, and the dealers are caught holding the bag. Right. That's kind of doom and gloom, so, you know, there are some that really do their very best, and that's where the relationship comes in. Right. So, kind of in a nutshell. How would a consumer walking in talk to their salesperson and and kind of feel out maybe what the relationship is? They're looking at said brand, brand A, and they're they're like, I kind of want to know what the relationship is, how the health of the relationship between this dealership and that manufacturer. Is there a, a line of questioning, a way to feel that out a little bit, kind of tease it out of the words? You know, I think the first thing is, what do you sell the most of? Mm hmm. Um. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's fair to just say, how do you like that manufacturer mm-hmm. and why? Is it fair to 
walk over and ask the service department that question? Absolutely. That's instead a great of the idea. salesperson. I think the salesperson should, I mean, they should know, but the service center might have a better idea of these these people are the most responsive company and mm-hmm. do great with warranty. Yeah. And I think anything's fair, right? And that, mm-hmm. Wouldn't you think? It's just humans talking to each other. You can ask anything, whether the other side wants to answer or not. That's true. And I think that's all good questions to ask. But you know what people do? They don't ask. Uh, they go online. Yeah. And they look at reviews. And there is not a manufacturer out there that has 100% good reviews. Right. Because there is not one out there. Because what do we, what do we know? Complain. There's people don't write the good reviews. Because we're for humans. The most part. Right. Yeah. There's no it, drama in there. There's no ex, there's no drama and excitement in the news at, at night unless it's all bad. And people feel much more compelled to go online and write something if they're angry right. or feel taken advantage of than if they're having a great experience and they're out camping. Right. Well, because when you're, yeah, when you're angry, something goes wrong. There's only so much you can do to control the situation and writing a review right. is one and, of them. And it's a way to, it's, it's, it's straight up revenge. Right. But when you're happy, you don't really need to be in control. Yeah. That we're going to, we're going to talk about that in our next podcast. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, uh, is that like a cliffhanger? Don't look at a me like that. A cliffhanger. That level a of podcast, we have cliffhangers. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Awesome. Awesome. I think that that kind of brings me to my the end of my list of questions. Well, Clint's out of questions? Well, no. I'm, Why I'm, is I'm, the sky blue? Well, it has to do with the gases that the atmosphere is made of. Oh. Anyways. Mm. Did that. Moving along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not talk about gas. Okay. So... If that's the end of this podcast, is there any closing remarks before I give us our get out of here? Uh, no. Why didn't you like get in a fast talking contest when you were younger? I think those exist, don't they? Because you're so good at it on our uh, openings and closings. I do get a little tongue tied as evidenced by the part of this intro that I did for this podcast that I have to cut out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that you will not hear. Um, I do want to add, we were just talking about reviews so uh while we're talking about reviews if you happen to be listening on apple podcast you should give rv small talk podcast a rating and a review did you know that you don't even have to listen to it on apple podcast to go on to apple podcast <gasps> on in a browser and leave Shut a rating up. review? i had no idea you can still go to apple podcast in a browser on your computer just like really? applepodcast.com. Yeah, Apple Podcast. Search for RV Small Talk. Search for RV Small Talk. Exactly. And what, what that does is show our podcast to more listeners so they can find it. Um, and we just really, 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 really appreciate it. And it's really, really, really fun to read what you guys have to say. Yeah. yeah. Good or bad, actually, but we like the good. Give us, give us a like five-star review <laughs> that has really bad review comments Comments. yes (laughs) we want terrible spelling terrible grammar (laughs) tell us what you really 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 think i dare you with a five-star review (laughs) (laughs) all right you can check us out at rvsmalltalk.com for this and previous episode show notes you can find us on social media at rv small talk podcast you can find us on youtube to see what we look like when we enunciate these syllables check out Lindsay's rainbow hair you got it Go to YouTube, RV Small Talk Podcast. Other than that, 
Thanks for joining us for this episode and we'll see you next time.